inquiring into how and why the Buddha taught the way he did. I'm always asking, uh, why are these things taught together? Why are these groups of things? Because he often taught three of this, four of this, seven of this. And in fact, some people find that very uh, kind of curiously dry, like uh, a bunch of lists that strikes them as, or something like this. But the intention, as I get it from investigating the discourses you know, directly through immersion in them, is that there's this sense of just pointing to facets of the human experience, naming them in very direct terms, and thereby um, giving us some orienting points, some reference points by which we can steer the mind as we investigate ourselves. So if he was teaching in all kinds of florid ways, then it would be more difficult to once we move into our own lives, both formal practice and just how we live, it's not so easy to say, where am I? And that the heart quality, you might say, lives in the metaphors and the similes that he used when he did this, like all the twigs in the rose apple land and the mothers and the mother's mothers going back. And what he's pointing to is enough already. Enough. It's enough to be disenchanted. It's enough to be liberated if you take it all the way in. And then one can go see for oneself. So these asava, or floods, intoxicants, outflows, sometimes translated, I think, quite lamely as taints. In fact, that was the going translation for the last 100, 150 years uh, when the Pali was originally translated, um, are such a, a naming of something that we can then go see for ourselves. And putting these three quality, these three aspects together of the flood of sensuality, the flood of becoming, and the flood of ignorance. And then you see across all of the discourses that these outflows or floods are mentioned over and over and over and over again. as much as any other aspect of the teaching, Four Noble Truths, Eightfold Path, all that stuff. 
impermanence, suffering, non-self, all that. You see the floods at least that much. So clearly, it's something that the Buddha felt was a prominent feature, useful to name, useful, not just interesting, not just philosophical, but useful to name because you can go look and by looking, something can be set in motion that actually liberates. Right? It's not just for the purposes of some sort of a catalog, some abstract description. It's practice. It's all about practice. It's all about what serves. And So I understand these asava as what I call the tripod of suffering. Between the three of them, like a tripod on ground, no matter how you put it, it'll find its own stability and keep itself going. If there's a little bit or less of one, you can still, you know, you've seen camera tripods, you know, it'll sit on almost any kind of terrain because of the stability of three points. Well, it's like that. We've already begun to investigate the intoxicating quality of sensuality and the urging and the drivenness, the flooding of the body-mind in pleasures and the search for pleasures and the addiction to pleasures, the social pleasures, the pleasures of the eye, the ear, nose, tongue, body, the mental pleasures, the pleasures of becoming even, are fundamental pleasures that drag us around and keep us bound. And we've begun to touch into the intoxicating quality of becoming, the self-obsession, the making of me, and the feeding of that continually. Anything from the innocuous, I'll become a better this or a better that to the somewhat more destructive obsessions of anything from plain old cruelty up to dictatorship. It's a whole range of possibilities. But the point is that the obsession with the self and its maintenance and its increase drives us, keeps us enwrapped. Ignorance is the blindness to the extent to which we're trapped. By putting ignorance, which has many definitions, many nuances, 
There's a lot of ways we could talk about ignorance. But as part of these floods, these asava, we look at why is it grouped with the sensuality and the becoming. Because as soon as you remove the ignorance, then you see that you're obsessed and you see that it hurts. As long as you don't see that it hurts, that tripod of the, that third leg of ignorance is, is well established, you'll just keep going, feeding. It won't stop. You don't even know it's happening. We don't even, I don't even know it's happening. We're flooded and we don't know it. We're intoxicated with, with feeding the self and we don't even know it. It's a very basic blindness. The word ignorance that we're using in English comes, is, is translated from avija. A, negative prefix, vija, knowing. Not knowing. It's that simple. We don't know. So this leg of ignorance allows the continuation of this pattern of outflowing outflowing from the mind through the body, outflowing to our actions in life, and then flowing between us and among us in family systems and social systems, cultures, nations, flooded. And we don't even know it. It's just life. This is like how life is. And we don't see that it can be otherwise. We don't conceive of the flood-free liberation of the mind, the taint-free liberation of the mind that the Buddha talks about. We don't see it because we're ignorant. There's ignorance is operating. I won't say we are ignorant. And this is just as ignorance keeps these urgings in place. The urging for becoming the sensuality urging keeps the ignorance in place by keeping us so stirred up that we can't see, so agitated, so preoccupied that we can't see. The mind doesn't get still. You've seen for yourself. I see for myself. You go to look, it's like, you know, it's kind of dizzying what's going on in our own minds, right? It's like, wow, I really am obsessed. This is pretty humbling stuff, don't you think? No control over our own minds? Oh, it's enough, it's enough, it's enough. And yet we go on. Twig by twig, lifetime by lifetime, mother by mother, we go on. The point of teaching something like this, this asava, this tripod of suffering, is so that we can practice it. We can look directly at our experience. And this is like a framework that is overlaid and see if there's anything there. See for yourself. 
a analogy that is might be helpful um, comes from uh, technology where when workers are working on extremely complex systems like a Boeing airliner and it's way too much complexity for the repair people, the maintenance people, to remember every little thing. They can put on a helmet, goggles you might say, and in what's called augmented reality, they, you know, the computer's doing an overlay of exactly where they're looking and it points to now do this to this screw or uh, look at the meter, it should read this, or adjust this to this level of tension, and then do this, and it all shows up overlaid onto reality so that you can navigate what is way too complex. If you keep having to go back to the manual, and, even if, and you can't possibly remember it all now, there are millions and millions of parts in these jets these days, so many subsystems. It's kind of like that. You're in meditation by yourself or with another, and your goggles, in this case supported by the teacher offering a contemplation, is saying, look over here. See what maybe you can't see. Take a look and see if there's ignorance operating, that you could sense the blindness with which you're driven to become, to be something, to feed. And you see, you look. If the teacher says something and you can't see the bolt or the screw, fine, go do something else. No problem. Don't need to make it up. But if it's useful, then you practice and maybe begin to say, oh, wow. It's enough. <laughs> it's enough. It's enough to be dispassionate, disenchanted. It's enough to be liberated by them. So that's our practice now. 